The following presentation is from Mountain Park Community Church in Phoenix, Arizona. For more information about Mountain Park, along with additional audio and video teachings, visit mountainpark.org. Uh, it's a uh, thrill and honor for me to uh, be with you today and be able to uh, share a little bit. Uh, I have been a Paul Simon fan for a long time. When I first heard the song, You Can Call Me Al, I thought he wrote it for me. Uh, <laughs> Loved it. In uh, 1991, I had the privilege of seeing Paul Simon live in concert for the Born at the Right Time tour when he uh, went through uh, Canada as part of his tour, and I got to see him. And in the auditorium, is a large, large, large uh, coliseum, and, and at one point he said, let me see who's here. And he popped up the big, uh, huge uh, lights and, and had the lights kind of go through the whole area. And as the lights were cruising around, uh, people were, uh, you know, it's, it's, the crowd is a little bit older than me uh, at, uh, in that group. I was uh, the youngest one in the room, and, and they were all doing a little bit of this and a little bit of that, whatever was happening <laughs> as they were enjoying this uh, great concert. But it came around over to this side, and I, I was way up in the very tippy top, the very last row over up on this side. And when the lights got to me, I was standing up. I was going, woo! I was just going crazy. I was so excited to be there. And Paul Simon looked up and waved to me. Yes, Paul Simon waved to me. He may not remember it, but, uh, but it, it actually happened. Now this, this uh, tour is named Born at the Right Time, and it's one of the songs that was on the album that was a part of that tour. And the song is about birth and about uh, the, the, what happens with the perfection of, of a little child that comes out. And the first words in the chorus are, Never been lonely, never been lied to. That it is only as a baby comes out and goes into the arms of mom that that baby has perfectly never been lonely. And then as soon as the cord is cut and that baby is put onto the cart with the heat lamps from McDonald's, that's when the baby cries and is lonely for the first time. So let me ask you this morning, have you ever been lonely? Of course you have. We all have. It is very common among women in our culture. It is an epidemic among men to live lives of loneliness, have moments of loneliness, of isolation. I remember when I was first here in Phoenix and somebody graciously gave me a couple tickets to a hockey game. They were just set on my, on my chair there. It was, a, it was a wonderful gift. Take anyone you want. And then I called up a few people and no one was available. And one, two, I called up eight people before I found somebody who was willing to go with me to a hockey game. It was so depressing. It was so frustrating and hard to think. I just felt so lonely, and it's so pathetic to feel lonely. There's nothing cool about being lonely. I mean, it is, it is, uh, it is extremely uncool. Le who's a her? If you're a guy and you get in with a group of guys and you say, hey, you know, I just want to be honest. I don't know about you guys, but I'm feeling real lonely lately. <laughs> the guys are going to be backing up. <laughs> All right. You know, I got a lot of things to do. There's, it's just very uncool, even though all of us have experienced it. All of us have had um, 
uh, uh, moments in our lives or there's something currently happening where there's loneliness. You can be in a room filled with people right here in this place, hundreds of people around you, great people, and you can feel lonely surrounded by people. What I want to look at today is the fact that that loneliness and isolation, it carries over into eternity. That it's not just about how we feel now and how difficult it is for us right now in this day, this week, this month. This is a big deal that carries over into our relationship with God and our eternity with Him. It's big. Would you bow your heads with me as we pray? Father, I know that there's uh, loneliness here in this room. I know that I have uh, experienced it. I go in and out of it. It's just, it's just part of our brokenness. And so, God, with the, with the relevance of this topic, I pray uh, that you would come and meet us in that place, that it wouldn't just be um, a motivational uh, uh, a moment here. It would be a supernatural moment, God. Would you come and meet us in those deep places. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, as most of you know, we are on a year-long series called A.D., Anno Domini, the year of our Lord. And we're spending this whole year talking about what it means to have a real relationship with Jesus, not just to learn information about Him, but actually to have a relationship with Him. And how we've broken up the year is into stages, just like a real relationship will go through stages, and the stage we're looking at right now is apathy. When we drift into isolation and loneliness, then it's really easy to be apathetic. It is an apathetic journey. We talked before about the fact that apathy is basically just saying, I don't care anymore. And when we get to the point in our journeys where we say, I don't really, I just don't care about God. I don't care about being one of the 12. I don't care about getting close to Jesus. I just, it's just not that important to me. I don't care about, getting, about uh, reconciling relationships with people around me. I, I don't care about that anymore. It's just too hard. It's just too difficult. I, I, don't, I don't even care about myself anymore. Once we start, start to go down those roads, those are the things that are the exact opposite of our purpose here on this planet. Jesus says we are to love God and love others as ourselves. And an apathetic journey of says, I don't care about those relationships, are the exact opposite of what Jesus is inviting us into. Remember, Jesus himself was not a lone ranger. He didn't do his thing all on his own. He was a team player. I talked about this earlier in the year when we, when we launched this whole thing. That when you think of world changers, whatever you believe about Christianity, when you think of world changers of which Jesus is, is absolutely one, when you think about world changers throughout human history, it's a person. It's typically not a group of people. You don't normally think of the group that hung around with that person. Yet, even with the basic understanding of Jesus, we understand he spent time with 12. He identified 12 and invited them in. It's a miracle. It's a miraculous part of his journey to say, I want to invite those 12 in, that he says to us, he wants to invite us in on the journey of what he's doing to change the world the revolution that he started. Jesus was a team player. And it's a lot harder to drift into apathy when you're part of a team. If you're part of a team, they're counting on you. 
They are relying on you. You can't just fade away if you're part of a team. Do you feel like you're part of a team? Do you feel like your, your family is a team? Do you feel like your spouse is a teammate or the opposition? That's why our family ministry is it's one of the reasons it's called home team. That these little groups, these clusters that, that gather in, in ways where we, where we um, do life together in the family units, they're teams. We are on the same team. What about at work? Do you feel like you're on the same team with folks at work or the people that you do life with or your friends? Do you feel like you're on a team? Because it's hard to slip into apathy when you're on a team. But the reason that we so often drift from people, drift from teams, and drift into isolation and apathy is because those relationships are hard. Of course, we know that relationships are hard, and sometimes the longer they go or the deeper they go, the harder they can roll, the harder they can be. I want to take a look at a few verses from Matthew chapter 18 this morning. If you brought your Bibles, I invite you to turn there. Matthew chapter 18. Jesus is talking about relationships. He's talking specifically about discipline within the church and how to handle when there are disagreements among people. And here in Matthew 18, verses 15 through 17 are referred to by many as the Matthew 18 principle about how we are to relate to one another. It's a huge deal. It's a big deal for us on staff in terms of how we interact with one another. We are familiar with the Matthew 18 principle, which basically says that if you have a problem with somebody else, you go and talk to that person about it. You don't go and process with all your friends and bring it up as a prayer request with a bunch of other groups because how much of a jerk that other person has been. Oh, it's just for prayer. Let's just keep it within ourselves here. No, you do the hard work, way harder work, of actually going to that person and saying, can we talk? I value our relationship enough that I want us to work on this together. You go to that person. It's harder, but it's better. The Matthew 18 principle. We could absolutely just stop there and say that's enough of a challenge. Uh, uh, bye. But I want to take a look at the verses that follow that perhaps we spend less time on. Uh, uh, beginning in verse 18 here in this chapter. Matthew 18, beginning in verse 18, Jesus says, after the Matthew 18 principle, he says, I tell you the truth, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Now, binding something means you lock it up. You tie it up. You tie it up real tight. It's all bound up. There are times in life typically connected with safety issues where there are persons who need to be bound up, locked up, where there are relationships that you need to lock some people out of. That happens. That happens within the discipline of a church at times. That happens in the reality of a broken world. But way more often than that, we bind up relationships and tie things up and get all things all tied up in a knot, not for safety issues, but because the relationship gets hard. It's difficult, it's hard, and so there's tension within those relationships when we don't follow the Matthew 18 principle. And Jesus says, whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. 
We don't use the word loosed enough, I think. Is it lucid? No, it's loosed. Uh, uh, that, and this has to do with, with reconciliation, with connecting with one another, with practicing Matthew 18 principles. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Do you see that these relationships carry over into eternity? Jesus is saying, what's happening here on this planet, it carries over into our heavenly eternity experience. What we're experiencing right now is training ground in terms of our relationship with God. We have the opportunity now to decide what we're going to do with that relationship. We have a moment here on earth to decide what we're going to do with that relationship. We can choose to pass and say, I'm not interested in that, and therefore spend eternity separated from God. We can choose to say, yeah, there's, a, there's enough there. I believe that is the story. I believe Jesus really is the Messiah that God sent to reconcile our relationship with him. Check, I got that, but I'm not going to spend any of the rest of my days developing that relationship with God. Or, we can choose to say, yes, I believe Jesus is the Messiah, and I want to do what I can to draw closer to him. It carries over into eternity. There are a couple things, for the most part, that we do with the time that we have here on this planet. Basically, we achieve and we connect. Basically, two things that we do. Uh, most of the things that you strive after that are important to you will fall into those two categories, achieving and connecting. Achieving is about setting goals and going after them. Achieving is about uh, climbing a mountain. It's about running a race. It's about building something. It's about accomplishing things. Connecting is about our relational experiences. It's about falling in love and and having friends and pouring into the lives of our kids and pouring into the lives of others that God brings into our lives. Achieving is something that most of us are pretty good at. Achieving something. We have, we have a goal, we go after it. Plenty of seminars, how to do that. Achieving, go for it, go for it, go for it. Sometimes we're obsessed with it, and that can be a problem. But for the most part, achieving is good. We're good at it, and it's a good thing. Yes, achieve, go for it. You can do many things this day, this week, this year. Connecting, however, that's where the epidemic sometimes slips in. That's the part that is sometimes so hard for us. The connecting piece is sometimes the piece that we're not as good at. We are living lives of isolation, of loneliness, even though we may be surrounded by people. There may be loneliness that's deep inside. It's not just the presence of another body. It's how we're connecting with other people. Achieving and connecting. In fact, achieving things without connecting with other people can sometimes just be meaningless. Great, great job, you achieved something. But sometimes we achieve something without connecting and it's meaningless. Let me paint you a little picture. Imagine you're going golfing and you are on the back nine on a par three. And today you're golfing 
uh, by yourself because you have really grown frustrated with the, with the people you typically golf with. And there's some relational tension there, and they don't uh, tip very well, and they don't pay their share of what's happening. And so it's just, it's just complicated, and it's just so much easier to get up when you want to go and to do it on your own time. And you go up early, you've got your own tea time, it's all you, it's just you. You can even talk to yourself a little bit as you're prepping. It's a Cinderella story here. Uh, it's a guy come out of nowhere taking the lead. And you're getting ready for your shot. You're considering other uh, ways to do it. Boom! Good shot. It's looking good. A little bit to the left. Bounce. Bounce. It's, it's going in. It's in. It's a hole in one. Woo! Oh, my goodness. I got a hole in one on part three. That's so awesome. <laughs> Did anybody see that? Anybody? Could you imagine a more tragic scene in life? <laughs> Could you imagine that? that sometimes achieving without connecting can be meaningless. Besides, no one's going to believe you. I wouldn't. Oh, no. How big was the fish? <laughs> now, let me take you back a couple years. <laughs> a couple years ago, I shared a story. I, I can't remember if I shared it with you guys or not. I think I did. I think I did. That... Uh, the only fish I ever caught was an 11-foot marlin. The only fish. So, so my average is 11 feet uh, per, per fishing outing. And, and, and that's obviously a little bit, uh, a little bit extraordinary. Uh, but you see, I had a picture, and I, sh and I may have shown it to you uh, uh, every week uh, for seven weeks afterwards. Uh, and, but you may not believe me, but you believe my wife because she was there and you believe her because she's more believable. So sometimes achievement stuff is meaningless unless there's connection there. In fact, the way we've been designed, the way our hearts have been molded by our Creator is that the connecting part is even more valuable than the achievement part. We go after the achievement. We're good at that. But it's the connecting part that's even more valuable. To help paint that picture, I want to invite Greg to come up here and share something with you. Can you help Greg Battle come on up here? Greg, Greg. Everybody loves Greg. Greg has been on staff here for nine years. And uh, he does facilities, he does sport ministry here, he does a number of pastoral care things uh, around here. And just so we're on the same page, I know a lot of people know Greg, but just so we're on the same page, can you just kind of paint a picture of your uh, football experience, your football career, just so we know where we're coming from? Uh, played uh, 13 years, one with Denver Broncos, uh, 12 with, in the Canadian Football League. Um, played most of my career uh, in Winnipeg. Uh, when I was in Winnipeg, I stepped into a, an awesome situation. The team was already good. Uh, we won uh, four, well, we uh, participated in four Grey Cups, and we won two. Alongside that, uh, when we were winning, I was uh, nominated four times for Defense Player of the Year and won it twice. Yeah. <clears throat> 
Hall of Famer in the, uh, in the Canadian Football uh, League. Uh, this, this morning there was a lady from Winnipeg who was uh, visiting or, or something, had not known much about our church. She was going crazy in the back at, at 8 o'clock. Earthquake <laughs> battle! She was freaking out. So, so I mean, he's, he's, he's the real deal. So can you uh, then uh, paint us a little picture of how you connected with your teammates while you were playing? Well, you know what, uh, the women have this little th- thing when they go to the bathroom, say, I'm going to the bathroom, no one says anything else, everybody just gets up and they go to the bathroom, right? <laughs> well, we had that when we were in Winnipeg, hey, we're going to the mall, and everybody gets up, hey, we're going to the mall, and that was it, or, you know, going to, uh, you know, this and that, and so, but one of the fondest memories that I had when I was playing there, uh, uh, my son was two at the time, and uh, uh, we had a birthday party for him, and uh, um, this dates me a little bit, but uh, how many of you guys remember um, in Living Color, the comedy, Living Color? All right. Well, they had a, 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 a one of the comics uh, was played a clown, Homie the Clown. And so uh, one of our linebackers, just without any, without any warning, came up and, and came to the party as Homie the Clown. And so uh, he went around and just, you know, just bunked people on the head. But, you know... Uh, uh, sometimes I'm asked about, um, hey, do you miss football? And I said, yeah, I, no, not really. I don't really miss the football. I, I miss the relationships. Uh, when we get together, I talk to uh, uh, James West and Paul Randolph. I don't know if he's in the audience here, but uh, we always talk about those moments, those, uh, yeah. those special moments, going to Niagara and homie the clown and yeah. those type things. When, uh, the reason I invited you up here is because I remember you talked about this before. This is a little ways back, and I thought it was so profound when you said, when you get together with, with these guys, even afterwards, years afterwards, you don't talk about the Grey Cup games. You don't talk about any, I mean, you don't talk about football very much. You talk about the, the clown experience. You talk about the moments where you connected mm-hmm. with one another. Yeah. I think that's so profound. Uh, thanks, Greg, for sharing with us. Awesome. Here, I'll take it. Greg and his, uh, and his team, I mean, they achieved in those, in those years, they achieved the greatest accomplishment in terms of Canadian football. And what they talked about, what, what they carry with them, what they value more is the way that they connected with one another, the story, the memories. We are good at achieving, but sometimes the connecting part is a little harder for us. We need to connect with one another. Let me continue to read. Jesus continues, verse 19, he says, Again, I tell you that if two of you on earth agree about anything you ask for, it will be done for you by my Father in heaven. In other words, when we understand this need to connect and we bring it before God, a desire for this connection to go deeper, to be reconciled, God will answer that prayer. This is, this is profound. This verse is not about getting what you want. This is not about the new car that you want. This is not health and wealth. This is not uh, name it and claim it. This isn't even how you should pray. Just always go with confidence and God will take care of everything that you ask for. That's not what this verse is about. This verse flows out of the verses that came before it where Jesus was very clearly talking about reconciling with one another very clearly talking about connecting with one another, the value and the importance of this. That if if you and a person that you're in significant relationship with, a boyfriend, girlfriend, fiance, spouse, best friend, business partner, 
if the two of you choose to come before God in the midst of of trials in that relationship and and honestly and just 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 are you willing to pour your heart out and say God we need your help in this relationship do you want that relationship whatever it is whatever relationship is on your mind right now do you want it to drift into apathy or do you want the power of God to come and loose things that have been so tight for so long which, which do you want it's your choice it's it's the it's a choice that that we get to make and if we do that if you're in a situation like that have you ever sincerely brought it before God agreed with one another and brought it before God seriously as awkward as that may be as you may not know exactly how to do that the words to say have you ever tried because Jesus says, if two of you on earth agree about anything you ask for, it will be done for you by my Father in heaven. That is an incredible promise. The reality, of course, is that sometimes those relationships don't involve two people who are earnestly seeking God. And so if one or both of you are apathetic in your relationship with God, then this promise doesn't apply to you. That's why the relationship is so hard. That's why it's so hard. Some of you are on one side of a relationship trying to carry the whole thing. God bless you. Hang in there. That's why it's so hard. Because the promise comes when two people agree with one another, even though they're fighting or whatever reconciliation is needed in that situation, come before God and say, we need your help with this. Are you willing to do that. The uh, next verse, verse 20, is perhaps the most famous and known verse here in this chapter. Jesus says, For where two or three come together in my name, there am I with them. When we become a, a Christian, a follower of Christ, when we choose Jesus to be the Lord of our lives, then Christ is in us. Paul makes this very clear. We invite Christ into our lives, into our heart. He becomes a part of our journey. Christ walks with us. So what does Jesus mean here? He's saying, yeah, but when two or three gather together, there I will be. What's the difference between Christ walking with us as individuals and something that happens when two or three gather together. What's the difference? I want to take you back. Um, uh, you don't need to turn there. Obviously you can if you'd like, but way back in Genesis chapter 2, the beginning of the whole story, the creation story, God creates the heavens and the earth and the plants and the animals. And he creates Adam. He creates humans. He creates a human, one man. And if you remember what he says in chapter 2, after saying it is good, it is good, it is good, it is good, in chapter 2 he looks at the man and he says, it is not good for man to be what? Alone. This is in Genesis chapter 2. The fall happens in Genesis chapter 3. So God says this before the fall, before sin enters into the story. It's just Adam. Perfect Adam. God says it's not good for him to be 
alone. Have you ever either said to yourself or had somebody say to you, hey, just relax in terms of human relationships. Just relax because they're always going to let you down and all you really need is God. All, just let go of that stuff. Just, just grain of salt. All you really need is God. What if that's not true? What if God is not enough? What if, if, as we see here, Adam had God completely. Sin wasn't even a part of the journey. God said, it's not good for this to be alone. What if there's a hole in our heart that requires human interaction, that the whole idea of loving others is not just something we get to do, but it's something we need to do, that our hearts and souls need to do. We need it. Around here uh, this week, we've had some interesting conversations about the horns. There was a, a, a lady who came up to me between celebrations last week and said, said Alan, I, I don't know what's going on, but during the worship, uh, on one of the letters, I see horns on the letters. And, uh, and she said, I don't know what that means. I don't know if God's trying to talk to me. And, and so I'm listening to her going, we got, yeah, there's horns on the letters. Oh, neat. Okay, good. And I said, you know what? I'm going to look at it. I'm going to pay attention to it to the next celebration. I did. Next celebration, I look up. She said, it's only on the letter M. Okay. So, so I'm sitting up here going, well, letter M. And I'm looking up there, and I look at a song, and I think about it only during one song. And I look up, and in that song, there are a few capital M's and no horns. And I'm thinking, we got a live one. And now, fortunately, this lady, she didn't just stop the conversation with me. She was wise, and she talked with a few other people. She had a smile on her face, and she was like, what's going on? Does anyone else see this? And uh, uh, because she talked with other folks, and we realized she was right. Here, this is what the slides looked like just last week. Uh, you see on the M, look at that. Anybody see that last week? If here's okay, you're all see. Satan is not overcoming our uh, scene here. Okay, this is not a message from Satan. This is not God uh, speaking to you and saying, "Avoid the letter M." Uh, um, uh, uh, talk to your mom. I don't know whatever uh, the the M might mean to you. It's just a, a, a glitch in the system somehow, the way the graphics work somehow with the shadow that's created on there. It's throwing this, these horns on the ends. It's kind of fascinating. We're not sure how it's there. We don't believe it's a message from God. We don't. But if you were doing life all on your own, you're just kind of moving forward and just kind of, it's all just you and God, you and God, you and God. There'll be situations like that where you go, oh my goodness, this has to be God. We can get freaked out about this. What we need is other people to bounce this stuff off of. It's so valuable to bounce this. Do you see what I'm saying? What's going on here? No, it's a technical glitch. Oh, okay. Not necessarily from God. We are not meant to do life alone. We're not meant, we see in Genesis chapter 2, we're not designed to do life alone. That's why God gave us the beauty of this thing called the family unit. That uh, I know no family is perfect and there are different versions of it and it looks in different ways, but a child is not supposed to grow up emotionally or physically alone. 
That's not the way we've been designed. In the animal kingdom, in the human kingdom, that we are to be loved and surrounded by this thing called the family unit. And the body of Christ is sometimes referred to as the family of God. Can we be a team? Can we be a family? If this is a place where you feel less alone because you're connected at this place, then I believe God says it is good. If for whatever reason, this is a place where you feel more alone, then I believe God's saying it is not good. And there's something either on our end or on your end or on both of our ends that we need to look at because part of the beauty of this is that we can be the family of God in small and medium and large ways. We can get together and, and, and tackle this epidemic of isolation. So let me swing this back around to the whole AD concept for this year. Do you want to grow closer in your relationship with Jesus? Do you want to be one of the 12? Do you want to have an intimacy with Jesus that perhaps you've never had before? If so, Jesus says, in verse 20, maybe, maybe, we, maybe we miss, we skip this part. He says, where two or three gather together, there I'm with you. If you want to get closer in your relationship with Jesus, engage in meaningful relationships with other people. Engage in meaningful relationships with other people. We launched Wednesday Night Life here this Wednesday. And it was explosive. It was fabulous. There's a number of different classes and groups and options for different needs. And there's smaller groups where you actually get to, get to know one another. And we have big fun for the kids. And we ran out of room across the board. It, it was fantastic. Now, our job as, as leaders and staff, and many of you are involved with this, our job is to handle the spacing issue and, and, and all that. It's a great problem to have. Your job uh, as either you can be a part of the leadership and part of solving the problem, but, at, but at, the, at the bare ground level, your job is to continue to lean forward and engage in opportunities to have meaningful relationships with other people. What I think these verses are saying, and this is significant, it carries over into eternity. It has an effect on our relationship with God. It's the way we've been hardwired by God. It has an effect on our relationship with Him and has an effect on our eternity with Him. It's not just about how it feels right now. Let's take the last few moments that we have here together to just kind of think through and process in what ways God may want to invite you to have more meaningful relationships with others. Band is going to come up and they're going to lead us through a couple songs. And for those of you who have... Uh, uh, been here uh, for a while. Uh, you kind of understand this piece here. There's going to be a number of different options throughout the room for you to be able to respond. You can come up to the cross. You can come up front. And all these things are listed in your program if you want to take a look at them. If you're new, feel free to connect with someone around you and say, hey, can you help me out with what this is all about? Or just sit and watch and decide perhaps how you want to respond to God for over the next seven, ten minutes or so. You can absolutely just stay where you are. You can write some thoughts you can just pray, you can worship. But may this be a time where there's no apathy. We are fully on, fully connected with our God who is present here in this room. Would you bow your heads and pray with me?
God, you are a masterful designer. We only catch glimpses of it, but you have done an amazing job of setting up the world in which we get to live. And you haven't designed us to be alone. You have given us the gift of community, the gift of connecting with one another. Obviously, there are times where we we don't do that well. But there are times where we've gotten glimpses of it and we've, we've tasted the sweetness of what that might look like. God, I pray that you'd bless our efforts to connecting with one another. God, I pray for those who are achieving things right now. God, would you bless them in their achievements? May the achievements be honoring to you and, and, and focused. And God, may you do amazing things with the men and women gathered here in this room. May we achieve for your glory. But may that always be attached to being connected to other people. May we not seek achievement while neglecting connecting, God. Would you allow us in these next few moments to focus on how you want us to connect with others? May we connect with you right now as you meet with us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.